All right. So here we are in our first episode of F the Seat. I'm Tina yes. Indelicio. Marcia Torres. <laughs> and so today we just want to talk about what inspired us to really kick off this podcast and talk about the important topics surrounding DEI. Um, most of it has to come down to being able to have authentic and tough conversations about race to begin with. <laughs> and we just so happened to, at the time that we were thinking about, hey, what could our first episode be about? This article came out on LinkedIn. And um, Marcia, do you have it up? I am pulling it up right now. I'm trying to, why is it not coming? So it's by um, Katie Augsburger. Hopefully I pronounced her name right. They do some great stuff. They have a consulting firm here in Portland called uh, Future Work Design. And the title was Dear White HR Ladies, We Need to Talk. I did a little bit of digging and you know, her article was back in, was written back in June, 2020. Um, but it looks like it just was reshared recently this year. But I also found that she's not the first one to be talking about this topic. Um, there was also an article that came out in 2020 about um, the same topic. And this one was by Marissa Dalson. And it said, how white women in human resources uphold white supremacy culture and what we must do to change it. Mm -hmm. And then um, I don't know, did you, do you also hear, I know I've heard about this book. Um, Which one? There's also a book called White Women We Need to Talk. Um, I saw that when I was Googling this article. But, yeah. And um, that one is by a Karen Fleshman. Um, I have not read it. Neither have <laughs> I, I. Neither yeah. have I. I read the, but I did read, of course, the Dear White HR Ladies. Um, and one of the things that struck me personally the most was that there was lots of support coming from people of color as well as white women who worked in the HR space saying, hey, this was you know, a really great topic and we do need to talk about it. And the premise of the article was just talking about the disparity of having um, so many white people in HR, which makes it very difficult when you're trying to truly build um, DEI and, and achieve real equity within organizations. And of course you have to talk about race. Yep. And what I thought was interesting, um, but not surprising, were that there were a couple people on the thread that were quite opinionated <laughs> about That's it. That's a gentle way of putting it. Yeah, it is a gentle way of putting it. Um, they were uh, pretty outspoken about how they felt this was racist and really critiquing the author who happened to be a woman of color. Um, and of course the two <laughs> big objectors, um, objectors happened to be white men. <laughs> and, um, so I don't know about you, but like, how did that make you feel, Marcia, when you were reading through? Reading you know, through I have had the opportunity to actually meet Katie um, at a previous workshop and, you know, her sharing some of her work that she's done with other organizations and her consultancy. And, um, and I just appreciated her article um, because being in HR, you know, it wasn't traditional HR in terms of going to school for HR. It kind of fumbled my way into it and um but it's always been a challenge to find people that look like you in the oh, HR yeah. field Absolutely. and you know and and seeing the comments that were coming through um 
we're almost, and I, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but just we're almost comical that at this point in time, 2021, that those beliefs are so strong and so held um, and that there was not this feeling of do, this is wrong, right? And I think we see that more and more. And I think this, you know, the past presidency helped highlight uh, a couple of things within our own country. And, you know, I, I know personally myself that, you know, I look at my friends on Facebook, right, who those contacts are, and you start to know and see who, you know, what's popping up on their feeds and mm -hmm. their comments, even on LinkedIn and stuff like that, that, you know, you start to question is like, do I really know who you are, right? Do I really know your beliefs? And, and do I know you as an ally? Do I know you as somebody who's going to support me? And, um, and it's always been a challenge, I think, just trying to make sure that as we were, as, as you're working in HR, right, you're the, you're the face of the of you're supposed to be there for the business, but there for the employees. And are you yeah. always doing both? Well, and I think it's, you know, for me personally, there's not often a lot of people who look like me in my career field. It's often dominated by, by white men. Um, so me as a female Latina lesbian, it's, um, it kind of hit a chord when I read some of their comments and it's just the, I guess the unwillingness to even recognize their own biases. Right. Yep. And yep. so it essentially it pissed me off and I should have left well, I know, it alone. I know, I know it pissed you off. Yeah. Myself. And I should have left it alone, but I didn't. <laughs> and so I responded, but I was on LinkedIn. So of course I was, you know, I, it was with temper. Right. So I did temper it and I tried to just at first, like try to understand, right. We have to kind of seek to understand like what's their perspective. Cause I think that's, what's missing. Like overall, it's like, we need to be able to have these conversations. We need to be able to talk about race. We need to be able to have people who don't understand what it's like to be us navigating the corporate world to at least have a little bit of empathy and compassion and try to listen. And, and I mean, also at the, at the minimum, listen, right. Yeah. At the minimum, just listen. here, just yeah. here. Just, and check your bias because we have biases as well, right? So immediately, like, I'll admit, I was like, who is this white man trying to tell me, you know, how things should be to achieve true equity? Someone right. who's never experienced anything that I've ever experienced or that I've witnessed happening, right? And so I had to reel it in and say, okay, no, I could come out, you know, guns a blazing, all Yosemite <laughs> Sam, as my wife says, <laughs> <laughs> or I could take a moment and try to understand these guys' perspectives, right? And right. so, you know, I did on the threads. I tried. I asked questions. I was like, so, <laughs> you know, really trying to tell, like, did they really think this? Like, trying to get them to, like, take a moment and pause and step back and, and read and go, okay, look, first of all, did they even recognize that it was, this article was written by a woman of color? I think one guy did, which was actually quite frightening because he also has a HR company. Um, that was pretty frightening to me. It's like, yeah. it just made it 10 times worse. Um, but the other guy that was, you know, pretty vocal on the thread, I don't, I don't think he even really realized that it, that it was a woman of color who was writing this. Right. And so it makes me wonder with the first person, like it makes me wonder, would he have, have viewed the article differently if it was coming from a white woman? Like, 
what what if he had read the other articles, you know, that we had come across and the, and right. the other book that right. we had come across and it came from a white woman's perspective, like saying, hey, and I mean, and that, that individual, like, or those women, um, they're allies, right? So those are, those are people that you would hope that, hey, if you're not going to listen to us, people who are living it, right, then, and listen to our perspective, at least listen to someone who looks like you talking about our perspective in a way yeah. to try to help you understand. Yeah. And it just kind of feels like conversations and situations that I've been in in my professional life where it didn't matter what you said, like the ingrained bias was so strong and the unwillingness, as you said, to listen right. was, was so strong there that it makes me wonder, like, how do we get through, like, cause we could sit here and we could bitch about this. Right. But if we want to try to be proactive, it's like, how do we really get through to people like that to get them to temper, temper their bias to be able to be open to even hearing another perspective that's maybe completely opposite of theirs. Um, well, and what's the sad part, right, is, you know, and this is how we, we started coming up with F the seat, you know, we were talking about what could we call this, what could we call this, and, and the, one of the person, one of the people that was writing these comments, right, they're their attempt to justify their response is, well, you're, generali- you're generalizing a whole race. The minute you start saying that you've already acknowledged that our opinion of people of color, you know, marginalized communities are no longer valid. Yeah. You don't, you don't wanna, you don't wanna hear what we have to say or you don't wanna hear what we have to do. And the fact that you're a president or, you know, that you are a, um, an exec in, in your role and, and you own your own company, that's the problem was we have no ability to get into that room to even get a seat at the table, right? And this is why we're saying, forget the seat, fuck the seat. Yeah. We Absolutely. don't want to just get us in the room first. Yeah. It's right? about equity because diversity is easy. Absolutely. Like if you think of it, diversity is when we talk about like DEI or DEIB, DEI, um, you know, when we talk about all this, the diversity part is the easy part, but yet companies can still fail at that. Right. So like, for example, at a previous company that I was at kind of one of the nail in the coffin, like, or, or last straw, so to speak of why I knew I really wanted to leave there was that, and this is a large, um, publicly traded company. And we had three key leadership positions open mm-hmm. and, Currently, the company really only has one, one female in senior leadership. And in a way, I kind of don't count her because she's an attorney. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, and but there were three key roles that they had the opportunity to fill. Right. With people of color. Every single one of those jobs were filled by a white male. And. This is a company that talks about how wonderful they are with all their diversity and equity opportunities. And that's not true because, you know, when you're in it, like you can have all the fancy programs saying, oh yeah, look at all these employee groups that you can join, right? Or look at all these, um, look at how, how many awards we're winning for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we have, you know, X number of African-Americans and Latinos and um, 
you know, and we have, you know, just, we're queer friendly, but fluff. it's, yeah, fluff. it's fluff because if you think about it, you have, yeah, you may have all these groups. Like, first of all, let's go back to the hiring thing. I could have given them 10 names for each of those roles of people who of color who were more than qualified to fill those roles. I can tell you the same thing, being in talent acquisition, Mm -hmm. being that, you know, I, I, there's so many times where I just have to sit there and be like, oh, fine. You know, I tried, I know I did. I know I gave you a diverse candidate pool. I know I did what I could. I've gone and talked about bias. I've talked about put checking your bias in at the door. And even to this day, you know, as much as I, I would like to say that, you know, I've worked for some progressive companies that are a little bit more open-minded, it's, oh, yeah. it's still a frustration. It's like banging your head against the door repeatedly. Yeah. When well, you and I work constantly. for some pretty, pretty big companies, so yeah. as well as small ones. And yeah. yeah. And it's no different. And, you know, you think going to, from a large company to a smaller company that you can um, drive change a little easier, um, that you have the ability to gain more of that trust and ability to have that visibility. Um, Well, yeah, visibility is a part of it, but yeah. Visibility, but it's more of just, you know, having that, that seat, that conversation and having your opinion valued that's not always the case. It's about equity, right? So it's about having the same opportunity that other people have. And that's, that's what I mean when I mentioned that diversity is easy. Like, like companies sometimes just fail the diversity part. Like they didn't even bother looking for someone of color, right? Because some companies like make excuses saying, oh, well, our applicant pool wasn't, wasn't deep enough. And there wasn't, there weren't enough qualified applicants that applied. It's like, sorry, but that's bullshit. You're not looking hard enough. And anybody who's in talent acquisition, right? You don't wait for people to come to you. You go you're, find them. Exactly. You go find them. You go and recruit them. All if you're strategic. not, yeah, that's if you're not doing that as a recruiter, you're not doing your job. So, but then you do, like you said, like you touched on it and I know what you're talking about. Cause we both worked for one company together yeah. Yeah. and we know, we know how ideas were shot down so quickly. Um, unless they came from certain people. So you can go out there as a really good, you know, talent acquisition person and recruiter, and you could bring in amazing, awesome candidates, right? But then you're met with roadblocks because either there's nepotism at play or you've just got people who have such strong internal biases that they're not willing to hire a person of color or a female for a role, especially in roles like engineering. And you know, I, I remember um, a colleague, we had a conversation and he was saying it was it, someone you and I both know that worked at a former company with us, mm-hmm. how um, he basically had to like tell the, the engineer guys, you are going to hire her. You have no reason not to hire her. And you're just ruling her out because she's female. And um, she's an amazing, amazing um, engineer. And now she doesn't work at that company anymore. She works at our old company. I think you know who she might be. I'll tell you when we're off because I'm not going to. Yeah, we don't want to sh- share any names on here. Out there. Yeah. yeah, but, um, and I remember we were, we were at, uh, I think it was a holiday party because we have mutual friends. And it was during the time when, you know, when we were at our former company and you know how stressful it was with all the riffs going on and, yeah. and he had said, because he knows what the culture is like, was like at that company for women, especially. And he just said, how do people like you and this other person 
even just stay there or navigate the system, <laughs> you know? And I told them, I said, well, the thing that sucks is that we need to work. Right. You know? Right. It's not like <laughs> there's no option to not work. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to deal with the bullshit in order to get your paycheck at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And you suck it up and you find other ways to, um, you know, channel the, those disappointments that, that anger sometimes that, um, and again, I don't want people to think that we're just, you know, negative Too angry, women, Latinas. angry women that are just <laughs> sitting here and like pissed off all the time. It's not even it. It's just, you got to give people a chance and, and it's, you have to be you have to be, yeah, you have to be willing you to open the door to listen. Right. Like when we talk about F the seat, it's not about, you know, when we talk about fuck the seat. It's not about getting a seat at the table, so to speak. It's about filling the room. And, and I think at our heart, it's, we're talking about equity, you know, we're really talking about equity and inclusion um, because that's diversity is easier to see if you're, if you're hitting that milestone, but companies, you know, if they can't even get the diversity thing down, like seriously, you're only going to hire white men, then you have a huge problem. Yeah. And my, my favorite is though around diversity. I have to just say this as a talent acquisition side of things. My favorite is when a executive comes to me and says, we need to diversify our workforce. <laughs> and it's like, really? Okay. I'm going to give you a bunch of diverse candidates. We're going to hire them. And then what's going to happen? They're going to, they're not going to stay. They're going to leave. They're going to leave. Because We're going to leave. You That's what happens. Culture. Yeah. And you know, it's, I was reading this other article of called uh, from the Harvard business review. It's uh, stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. And in there, there's just, you know, just a statement in there. I was like, that's absolutely true. It's if you're a leader and you are in that role, it is your responsibility. It is your job to create the culture that allows for the addressing of systemic bias and racism. It is, it is your yep. job. If you are not doing that, you failed. You yeah. don't deserve that leadership role. You don't. And I think that that's a really, really good point that when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not an initiative, right? It should be, Absolutely it should not. be part of your culture. It should be and ingrained in your HR's culture. Job. Yeah. It's not HR's job. <laughs> it's not one person's job. It's not that one white person that you hired to, to manage your DEI program. Right. <laughs> I say that I mean, with sarcasm, it, it, with sarcasm, because you know, it's, well, you know true. it's true, but you know, it's even like after black lives movement that happened in this past year. Right. And which it was happening before, but yeah, was happening, like people yeah, before, finally started paying attention. Exactly. It just got much louder. Right. Yeah. And you know, and now everyone's on the bandwagon to hire DEI people. Exactly. It's like, why weren't you doing this shit before? Yeah. And I have also a, like a, a previous company I worked for, large company. I remember took away all the DEI initiatives, took away the VP of DEI, took away the director. And then 15 years later, last year, actually, I think is this year, I'm not mistaken decided to implement a new DEI role again. I'm like, where was this shit before? Well, you know, you now they're getting pressure. Well, I mean, yeah, we, you, it's all about the, the pressure from the public, right? Yeah. And, well, like we know, image. like, okay, we're in Portland. We've got some big companies here, right? Nike being one of them. Right. And Nike's had a problem for years. Like I know people that have worked there, um, but also it, they've been in the news on how 
they have a, a major problem with DEI. And, but yet, you know, they're out there hiring a bunch, bunch of consultants and a bunch of other people, but excuse me. Um, it's the beer. It's the beer. <laughs> Cause it's, you know, it's <laughs> afternoon now and it's like, it's time to have a beer. It's time to relax. It's either time to have a beer or a glass of wine, whatever. Um, but it's a nice hot day in Portland, which we don't often get, especially nope. in springtime. It's so I'm enjoying it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's frustrating. So if we, if we go back to what we first were talking about with the article and reading those comments from people who have blinders on, right. When it comes to just being able to listen, it also, all of that trickles into when we have an HR workforce that doesn't have a lot of diversity and, or even equity there, right? Like where is the, where is the opportunity for people of color to be in that space and more men? Let's, you know, doesn't even matter about color, but there's not no. a lot of men yeah. in, in that space. And yeah, of course, granted, it's, it's kind of been a, a, a field that women have gravitated towards, but well, um, you know why, because they recruit because, women for it. Well, no, I mean, women are seen as the caretakers, which mm-hmm. HR is seen as the caretakers and HRs are not, HR is not your friend. We know that. <laughs> HR. Wait, wait, wait. We like to be your friend though. We, we want to be your friend when we don't want to be the bad people. The I'm time. like in the middle, right? I'm like kind of HR and then I'm also <laughs> on the business side. So it's like not HR is like, I get HR the high, there. I get the high it's, of hiring people. So it's like, yeah, I that's never have, different. except it's, for I get the lows of saying, sorry, you're not getting it. But, yeah. um, but in, in terms of like, highs. you know, HR is there to protect the company. Let's be real. Like don't the, even, don't even get me started on that. Yeah. Because but, um, that's a whole nother conversation. It I is had. a whole nother conversation, Woo! but, but first you have gatekeepers, right? So those gatekeepers are, like you said, there's like w- the, what the article was talking about, like th- that there is not a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion just in the HR space to begin with. Right. But then we also are hit with the problem with challenges with hiring managers and their biases and wanting to hire people that look like them. Right. Or, they have their own preconceived biases, like, hey, women aren't good engineers or whatever it might be. Like, I remember when I worked at a company too, I had um, a colleague, she was absolutely amazing. We started at the company at the same time. Um, tremendous experience. And when we had a new CEO come in and take over and we were chatting and I had asked, I said, so why didn't you um, promote this other person and him and the other person who were in charge, they both said, well, you know, she's going to be having a baby. And so, you know, we didn't figure that she would have enough time and, and no, you know what? You can see it on my face. I was told that my pregnancy was going to deter my detract me from being successful at the company. Oh yeah. And I was like, really? That's, you're going to tell me that. Well, uh, Okay. Yeah, stupid me, stupid me stuck around, but you know, lesson learned and, um, but good people will leave. Like, and once you get the opportunity to leave, you're going to leave. And that's what happened with, with my colleague was, um, first of all, I looked at the guys and I said, you absolutely cannot do that. And I said, that is, I mean, you guys could get sued for that. And they didn't really know a lot about running a company. Um, but they had these old school values, right? And it's like, yeah. you guys can't think like that. That's not how you run a company. It's not how you run a business. And, um, but so many things like that happen every single day, you know, in, 
in our space. And it doesn't just happen to women, but it, it happens disparagingly to people of color. And so if we can't get past the gatekeepers, right. But if we manage to get past the gatekeepers, um, like you and I, the policies. Yeah. Then there's policies, right. And then there's (laughs) politics and, and so you have those times that's when we, it's going to circle right back. Like I was talking about before about equity, because now where's the opportunity, where do we have the opportunity to truly lead and own projects? Where do we have the opportunity to truly take on stretch goals, right? And stretch roles. And um, you can have a mentor program, right? We know know a company that does that, but does it really? (laughs) You know, I mean, if you're going to have a mentor program and it's going to, it's supposedly supposed to be able to help open the doors for opportunity. You got to open the doors. You got to open the doors. You can't just say, look at this beautiful program we have. And you can't, you can't invite us to the party and then leave us sitting outside. Yeah. And that's essentially what happens. And so just like when you have companies that pride themselves on all their employee groups, you have people basically, yeah, you may have a ton of people. Like for example, at my former company, there was a pretty active, um, ERG. What's that? Yeah, there's a, yeah, there was lots of ERGs, but I mean, there was a pretty active, um, uh, LGBTQ group, but this was a perfect example of, okay, that's great. You have a lot of like-minded people that have joined this group, but when was that group ever tapped or leveraged for ideas on how to improve the business or on how to drive and make the company better, you know, or drive initiatives? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you have, so you have these groups of people that might be, you know, your ERGs, but the problem is they are isolated and they're never exposed to the people who truly need to be exposed to them to help your company actually achieve true diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. You know, and so companies, they, they don't know how to really leverage, I think those groups. And I think some companies they are well meaning because I don't want to say that all companies like oh Absolutely hey all that- not I think yeah. I think you're right I think there's 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 definitely companies that are doing it with the right mindset and may just need to be adjusting right and right and are still learning and and you know really driving it but there's still opportunity and then there's other companies that is just for it's for show for show it's marketing it's you know check in the box we did it we've got it done. Um, they want to but you're right. Talent. It's, it's, it's the leveraging the talent that you have within the organization, but then as you're, and I think this is kind of going back to Katie's article is being in HR, right? We, we do control a lot of the policies that are rolled out, right? Mm-hmm. We do develop a lot of policies and, and are they equitable policies? Are we taking into consideration that, you know what, there's single fathers out there that have to manage daycare and are we making sure that they have the same um rights and same opportunities to you know whether it's child care discount whether it's yeah time off whether whatever it might be right um adjustment to schedules whatever it might be that it you know are we addressing it are we looking at that are we looking at the fact that um something as simple as you know, taking out degree requirements, is it truly important to have a degree requirement or do you have people that have had experience and you're not taking in that ex- that perspective and that experience into your company that could be completely valuable. That's not needed by a degree because they couldn't afford to go to school. Yeah. 
which is, you know, then you're, you're, we have, there's so many opportunities, let's put it that way, not problems, right? There's so many opportunities when it comes to hiring and finding good people and then keeping them that I just think some companies mean well, some companies don't really care. And some companies think they're doing a good job, but they're really not. You know what I mean? Like there's just kind of like three levels. And I mean, we could go off on a whole series of talks about why the degree requirement should be scrapped. Oh, a whole other, another, yeah. another conversation. Some, Don't get me started on. And I say that as someone who, you know, personality tests. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I say that as someone, you know, who, who went to college, went to grad school, all that stuff. But it's like, you know, I, I tell the kids, some amazing like, people that have not. And yeah, you know, could oh, I know so much. Most of my family. I was so, the first one in my family, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's experience is golden. And, but so, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things. We kind of went on a few little, you know, rough tangents, but it's like, really, so much, this so is just talk a, about, yeah, this is about trying to get conversations started. It's about trying to have tough conversations and challenge our biases. But I think more so what we have to try to think about too, as we, as we um, bring up topics in future episodes is what are some solutions, right? Like, for example, for me, the nagging thing to me is like, how could we have gotten through to these guys just with Katie's article that were just so like, I mean, so blind by their bias and so unwilling to listen and look at something from a perspective that wasn't their own. So how do we reach outside, step outside of their bubble, right? Yeah. Just out, of their, like, out of their comfort zone. It's... Like how do we reach people like that? And right. um, how do we make them care? Because they should care because bottom line research shows that when you have equity and I'm not even going to say the D word, right? When you have equity for people of color within your organization, that company is more profitable. Absolutely. You are more innovative. So people want all of that expertise, right? They want to have that diversity of thought. They want to have, they want to have, um, you know, a community that's, that's not just all white. And it's not saying white people are bad because, you know, my mom is white and my mom is wonderful. My dad is not white. <laughs> so, but he's wonderful too. But you know what I mean? I was going to say, is he wonderful though? He is wonderful. He's awesome. So, but it's not about like, you know, color versus white or whatever. It's just that unfortunately right now in the world that we live in, there is one race that kind of holds all the cards. And um, it doesn't mean that we are helpless because by no means. And I think that was one of the things that got brought up in this topic too, was saying how like, um, I can't remember exactly what he, what the guy wrote, but it was something about how we needed to take more opportunity or that could have been a different thread, actually a different article. But I remember this one guy was saying how people of color needed to like take more initiative. Right. And, and um, you know, to go into these different programs to, you know, whether they were STEM programs or whatever it might be. And I was just like, you do realize that most of those programs are not even available to people of color because they're priced out of them. You know, it's like, you're not even like thinking about those special programs cost money. Exactly. And not everybody has the money to go into those programs. Absolutely. And so, you, you know, so it's like, 
the, just being able to get people to like, to even think about the fundamentals of stuff like that, where it's like, you got to recognize that when you have a person of color who's applying for a job, more times than not, that person has had to overcome a lot more hurdles to get to where they are just to have gotten that education, right. To receive that yeah. education, to have gotten through that, that you figured out how to pay for it. Or, you know, like me, I have a crap ton of student loans. I'm still paying on. I I'm going to be dead. And there, there's okay, no on, Bi- Biden's coming through. I'm, I'm yeah. Well, I, Biden can't even help me. Like I have so <laughs> grad school killed me. So, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, it's, they people just, I think just to have a little bit of empathy to understand like, Hey, my, like that person's journey. And trust me, I know a lot of white people too, that have really tough journeys, but I think oh, like, absolutely. And if, you if know, you I don't, will never discredit anybody's journey. No, no, exactly. Like it's people have valuing, had journeys. Yeah. Valuing their journeys and but, understanding it. Yeah. Understanding like what it took that person to get to where they are. And then understanding, being willing to listen to their experiences and learning on how, how they learning about how they were different than yours. Yeah. And I think can go a long way in helping people have a little bit better understanding. And, but first you have to be willing to listen. And so my question, and if there's anyone who's even listening to this podcast, <laughs> my, my question I is, am. I am. Yeah, I am listening to, I know my wife is, and I know she's, she's already like been telling people at the port of Portland, that's where she works that, uh, Hey, you got to listen to our diversity podcast. So, but my question is, I'm asking you white men, how, how do we get through to you? Like to have a meaningful conversation about what it's like to be a person of color navigating the corporate world and to have it not be a judgmental conversation on either side. Right. Like that's question number one, you know, and, and then two, what's it going to take? Like, what are some strategies that other people have that they've been able to really, truly try to combat those internal biases that happen within their organizations for them to be able to really push equity and inclusion and belonging and justice within their organizations, not just checking the diversity box. Yeah. Because it's, it's beyond that. Yeah. Cause we need to get beyond that. We need, you need to have organizations that aren't focused on quotas, diversity quotas, right? We need to have organizations that are focused on inclusion and what are you really doing to include people, you know? And yeah, of course the first hurdle, which was the heart of this article was you got to first be able to hire them. Yeah. Right. You got to get through the, you got to get through the, you know, the, the, the gates and, and, you know, it's, it's so, um, it's so, I'm trying to think of the right word, but gosh, I was just telling you about this, but karma is such a bitch. Karma is a bitch. And then, and what goes around comes around. And, you know, today it's, has been a day where, I got to see that karma come back and, you know, I spent many years with struggling to find my spot and struggling to find my place at a company and, you know, being held back by bias, being held back by, um, just, was it that you were female or was it that you were just, we'll just call it racial 
discrimination as well, right? Yeah. The fact that that existed and that it was allowed to happen. And, you know, I wasn't, I had nothing compared to what some other folks had dealt with, uh, with this person, but, you know, the fact that it finally has come through was, is such a relief that this person is no longer in a position of power that can impact anybody else. Um, and that, and I didn't realize how much pain it was to talk about it until mm-hmm. I was asked to talk about it. And, and to think that all of that experience, and it was almost like leaving an abusive relationship. It was to, it had like all the same markings of like, you'll never have it better than you had it here, or you'll, you'll never do better than what you can get here. This is as good as it's going to get, or, um, that's what was, you were, that's what a former, former manager was telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Just to hold you back. Yeah. Um, control thing. It's a control thing. And, you know, or saying you're not, um, well, you're not good enough. Right. And so you're not good enough. Yeah. Right? You're not good enough. And that, when you ask um, for specific feedback as to why you're not good enough, it's, they can't tell you it's bullshit. Right. It's just like, well, it's because you wore the wrong color today. You know, I'm like, really, that's why you're holding me back. Um, but anyways, aside from that, you know, I think that it's, so there was a little bit of justice that happened today. Justice for me today, you know, and it's been, I want to recognize also, you know, the justice of yesterday. And I know this is oh, not yeah. necessarily on our topics of talk of conversation, but. No, you know, the, but it's the, definitely the worth talking verdict, about. Yeah. The verdict that came through yesterday for George Floyd. Yeah. Was, you know, just such a sigh of relief. And I just saw my friend's especially my friends who have black sons and um, he's just seeing their tears and just seeing their, you know, okay, we're not, this is like nothing. This is like the tip of the iceberg, right? And I saw this little, this image of like racism you see is an iceberg, right? And you got racism oh, yeah. at the it's top and then this huge piece underneath. And it's like, yeah. we barely even scraped it. And this is just a, a piece of it, but you know, for, for somebody to lose their life for this verdict to come out is just such a, I don't even know what the word is. It's just, well, it's like on one hand, it's like, you can have a little bit of a sigh. And I say a little bit because I'm holding my breath until we see how he actually gets sentenced. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is just, and yeah, this is like the, but, but the fact that, I mean, I literally was, I was hoping that the verdict would come back guilty because I was so worried about what would happen if it didn't, you know, we've been in such civil unrest Mm -hmm. and people are, they're angry, right? Justifiably angry. And while, you know, you and I both have Brown sons, right? We have Latino boys. Um, We don't have African-American sons and that is a whole nother ball game. I mean, I have to talk to my son and tell him, you bring your ID with you wherever you go. You know, you answer questions clearly. Like we ha- we have to, you know, tell him too. It's, it's to like, wait, it's like, there's a fear, right? Yeah. There's a, f- I mean, a fear. I think for us, for us on the Latino side of things, I tell my son all the time, like, you're lucky that you are light enough. You could probably pass for white, but until somebody found your name, yeah, you wouldn't well, be able me. to pass. Right. Yeah. That's and, me. It's like, and, I'm yeah. It's, right. And, and it's like, you wouldn't pass if once they knew your name and, mm-hmm. and that, the fact name. that you have to have your ID so you can prove that you belong here. Mm-hmm. 
and that you don't have this risk of being sent off to, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, shipped out (laughs) my, my wife and I, you know, we're from San Diego originally, and we grew up in totally different areas of San Diego County. She is a darker skinned Latina and she had severe issues with racism growing up. I didn't as much because I'm lighter and I have light eyes, but when they know my last name, then they can, you know, they know automatically, but, um, but yeah, our son, you know, he's got dark features and, but he's still pretty light. Cause I mean, well, now we live in Portland, so, so we're all much lighter. We're all much lighter at that age. We're all much lighter. I had a picture of myself with my son. I was like, who is this? Yeah. We're all much lighter, but when the sun, when, you know, when it's summertime, though, it's different, but yeah, it's, um, we have to counsel our children to be yep. careful. Right. But I could not imagine what parents of young black men have oh. to go through because um this is not a kind world no you know it's, it's not, not a kind world and so i am very very thankful that uh he was convicted on all counts i'm holding my breath to find out what happens with how he gets sentenced um and you know another thing is that what I'm being, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And it's, I think it's one of the reasons for me personally, why I, you know, talk to you about doing this podcast is because there's a little bit of momentum that we have right now when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion and talking about race in this country. And we need to keep that momentum going. We can't let it fizzle out. Yeah. And it needs to come from everybody. It needs to come from white women writing a book saying, hey, white women, we need to talk. It needs to come from people of color doing podcasts, having conversations with their, you know, with different people, with, you know, writing articles, um, being in positions of power to make a difference, right? Advocating and holding other people up to be able to get into positions within an organization to help push equity and inclusion. Yeah. You know, we can't lose the momentum. And, um, so hopefully this will just be, this is the first of many. Yeah. One of many conversations and, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that, uh, we try to drive people to the website to post any questions that they have, or if there's a topic that people want us to cover and talk about, um, cause we're going to have guest speakers on as well. Sometimes, um, We'd love to be able to have ideas and I'm going to actually post something on LinkedIn too, to try to gather, yeah, uh, gather some, uh, okay. some questions to cover, but <clears throat> yeah, I added it to my profile the other day. Oh, did you? And, yeah. And, uh, I had this meeting, um, with, um, somebody was asking me to be part of a panel for Oregon state, um, to meet with their faculty cohort, um, there there's this i think this is the second round that they're doing this cohort session but it's around um preparing how to better prepare students at oregon state as they transition into corporate america um, focusing more on the um the challenges that that students of color might face as they go into corporate america or um more white structured areas right (laughs) um and so I, yeah, have that panel next week, but anyways, I was talking to him, um, to the, the person who's coordinating it 
And he was looking at my LinkedIn profile. He's like, all right, all right, I have to ask. And I said, what? He goes, what's fuck the seat? And I said, actually, it's F the seat. It's F the seat. Can but I'll take the seat. The seat. <laughs> yeah. can he he's like, I think I knew what you meant. I was like, all right. So I explained it to him. He's like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, he's like, you'll have to talk about that. I'm like, I, I will. I'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, but, we tried to be like way more politically correct about it. But then at the end, the of, the end day, of the day, we were just like, no, it's just got to be F the seat because come on, we need to have some tough conversations. You, yeah. You need to be able, like, you know, we're not dainty. No. And we, that's the thing is like, we need to be able to not just be passionate about this topic. Right. And not, and yeah, maybe sometimes it'll be angry right like you're frustrated and you're really like just fed up with all the crap but we need to be able to laugh about it too right we need to be able to joke about stuff and lighten the mood at times because um we still have to live (laughs) and we still have to you know navigate our world and um everything's not going to be perfect but absolutely you know if we just if we try to move one foot in a more positive direction, then, then it's all worth it. But I I think it's awesome that you're doing that. Um, is it a panel? Yeah. Super excited about the panel. That's awesome. Yeah. So hopefully we're to come on that. I'll have to let you know how it goes. Yeah. Let me know how it goes. And I know we're talking about like organizations that are like, you know, ones that we've worked for in the past and ones that we know of that are not doing the greatest job at their DEI efforts. But I do want to give a plug actually to the port of Portland because my wife um, works there now. And she definitely checked their diversity box (laughs) in their area for her getting hired, but she has been coming home. Like, in fact, she's in the other room right now on a DEI training that the port's doing, but, and she's now become the, um, helping coordinate in her area, um, managing any of the DEI work that any of the engineers are doing and they can log their time and their hours on, on what they're doing. And she's helping them like understand different things that would count as, you know, them trying to understand other cultures, them trying to include other people, all of those things. And, but she has been really, really impressed with how caring and how much of a focus and an emphasis that the port is making on this initiative. So I think that's worth mentioning because um, she's a woman of color commenting on that, you know? And so that to me, I think that that's meaningful and she's loving working there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are really trying really hard. And I hope that, you know, we can help organizations and just individuals like, like those guys that were on that article posting comments, um, help them understand what achieving, achieving true DEI BJ, you know, means and looks like within an organization and not just checking the box. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's such a, there's so many topics, so many pieces, so many articles, so many conversations going on that, um, I'm just looking forward to even, expanding my own knowledge and expanding my own perspectives um, through our chats. And, you know, as we do bring people in and, and review other, other articles and other literature that's out there, 
um, you know, hoping to expand my own personal perspectives and biases as well. I know, you know, we all have them. We do have them for sure. I have to check myself. I have to check myself myself today. Okay. I know. Let's just be real. I checked myself today, (laughs) earlier today. I was like, "Mm, F. Yeah. (laughs) I've had a pretty chill week. You know, it's, you know, what's funny when your, your kid, my daughter, she's at U of O and, um, and she, when there was a lot of the political stuff going on and then I'd get into like political discussions, put it that way with, um, some of my family members, those are the most heated ones actually. And you know, that, um, it must be good. It must be good reading when my daughter's like, yeah, I've been like following you on Facebook. And every time that you do a post, I'm like getting my friends and say, look, look what she wrote. Look what she wrote today. (laughs) So I'll end up getting in a discussion with one of my, Hey, white racist relatives. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you know, I have some and, um, I love them. Right. And I'm going to keep trying to get through to them, but we just see things. Our perspectives are just so very, very different. And yeah. uh, so it's often hard. It's hard enough when we have to battle those um, biases with strangers. Um, it's really tough when it's, it's in your bubble. Right. But, but yeah, I, I can, you know, I learn something new every day and I'm really looking forward to exploring more topics, really hearing from like, hopefully some of our listeners, it won't just be one or two. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, we'll get them in. We'll get them in. We're going to get, get them, them in and get some questions, you know, for us to cover and topics for us to, to talk about. And, um, and I want to, I really want to like find a way to encourage people to even ask questions anonymously. Like, I think, I think that's I think the thing is like, yeah, some people, they may have questions and they may, or a perspective right? and they're not being a jerk about it. You know, they're just honestly not sure where to go. They don't, yeah, not where to go. They don't really understand. So, um, hopefully we can be that resource for them. Absolutely. All right. Well, you know what I've got later today. I know you have a date. And so I was going to say, um, maybe on the next episode, we'll find out how that date went. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Lord. This is going to be my dating, uh, my dating, um, revelations that I have going on. Shoot. I don't even tell my mama when I go on a date. Ah, because, uh, then I get 20 questions. It's too much, too much. Yeah. It's all good. All right. Well, have fun. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us on our the next time. Yep. Till the next time. time. So don't forget. It's not about the seat. It's about filling the room. It's about filling the room. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.